everyone. Um, thanks for being here. I hear there's South Africans here. Where are you? Hello, friends. Let's talk afterwards. <laughs> I don't live there anymore, but you can probably still uh, uh, detect the accent. Uh, I, it's really great to be here. I went for a run through your beautiful city yesterday, which I think is the best way to see it, and uh, it's, it's been great so far. The food. Uh, I don't know why everyone talks about the food, but uh, it's wonderful. So I'm going to tell you a little story this morning, um, which is going to might sound a, a little bit weird. So I just want you guys to come with me on this story. Uh, as one product manager uh, having a bit of a cathartic uh, confession moment in front of uh, 300 of their friends. So uh, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, I know that uh, what I'm going to say this morning might be a little different, so all I want to say is that this, this worked for us, and I hope that uh, it, it, it's not necessarily something that I think you should do, but it's something that I think you should think about and might be useful for you. To start this story, I do have to tell you a little bit about us. So I work for a company called Wildbit. Um, has anyone heard of us? <laughs> no, <laughs> I know, it's wonderful, it's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm not Kayak, uh, uh, but there's uh, certain joy and anonymity. Uh, we've been in business for 16 years. Uh, we're 20, uh, 26 people. Isn't it annoying how this slide says family members? I mean, when you go to our website, it'll say we're not a company, we're a family. I, does that annoy you? Uh, it annoys me when I see that on, on other companies, but I've learned over my two years at, at Wildbit that this is actually uh, possible and not such a bad thing as the Medium posts might uh, want you to know. Uh, we're profitable. Uh, we have never uh, taken VC money, and I think that's important to... Um, uh, to mention, because when I say the things I say this morning, you might think, yeah, well, maybe you're just blowing someone else's money. We are not. We, uh, we've decided on slow growth, and we're doing it in a, in, in a slightly different way. We make tools for developers. You, may, uh, you, you might not know about Wildbit, but you might know Beanstalk, which is a GitHub competitor. Actually, GitHub competes with us, I think is the way to say it. Uh, I'm the product manager for Postmark, which is a transactional email service. You can imagine I'm the life of the party uh, when I go to parties and talk to people about email. Okay, fine. Uh, it's actually really interesting, uh, but I won't, uh, won't uh, go into email too much this morning. We are a transactional-only platform. Uh, we're an API product, so all of our products in some way help developers be better at their jobs. And that's our mission. That's Wildbit's mission. That's what we always want to do. Whatever tools we make is going to be tools to help developers be better at what they do. Uh, so transactional email is uh, a service. Those are the emails you get when you order something online and you get an order confirmation or you forgot your password on Kayak and they send you an email. I don't think they use us. We should talk. But uh, you, that email that you get that you really want to receive right away, that's transactional email and that's what we do. Um, and that's the product I work on. Now, most product management advice, including uh, my own that I've given in the past, is very outward focused. The things that we talk about and that we should talk about, I'm not saying we shouldn't, are things like MVPs, very important. Uh, it's about, we talk about product discovery, we talk about market focus, we talk about uh, uh, customer journeys and research and business and all of that stuff, and it's super important and we shouldn't stop doing it. But uh, not a whole lot of product uh, management advice is inward-focused. So when your company looks at the world a little differently, uh, it, it kind of creates a bit of an identity crisis for an old-school product manager like, like me. Uh, this is our CEO. Her name is Natalie. 
Uh, she recently went to a conference called The Business of Software, and she did a talk there about our slow growth and how we do things differently. Um, she mentioned, she talks about uh, the beast in her talk a lot. She talks about, and the beast being this incessant need to grow users and revenue and employees, um, and what that does to your company if, if that's what you're always driving for. Um, and I want to show you just a couple of the slides that she showed in her talk because um, that gave, that was one of the things that made me uh, think about uh, the direction of this talk. She says, focus on your team first, then they can focus on your customer. She says, we exist for our team. She says, team is committed to each other, not a product. What Natalie is saying for Wildbit, and what makes me appreciate working at Wildbit so much, is she's, she's saying, if one of our products fail ever, that doesn't matter. Because we exist for our team, we exist for having our team do the best work of their lives, and we know that the products that we will build together as that team will find an audience. And as long as we can be happy with that, we are able to build products that are successful, that customers love, that, is, that are market-focused. But our focus, and what really gave me pause, is this idea that we're focused on our team first. And out of that leads a focus to customer. It doesn't mean we're not focused on customers or the market or any, any of that stuff. It just means we start from a different point. So it's a little crazy, um, but it is actually working. This is our growth trajectory right now. And uh, I showed this only because you might think, well, good luck to you. You're going to be out of business in a year. We're, we're not. Um, it's, uh, we continue to send more email on Postmark. We continue to have more users. So I won't dwell on that. Um, what I will say is, as I'm a product manager like many of you, I'm training the fundamental pr principles of market focus and focusing on market above all else. So I started having a little bit of an identity crisis a year ago, asking, who am I? Uh, what am I supposed to do here if my role is not exclusively putting post-it notes on walls and, and managing Trello boards? Like, what, what is it that I do here, uh, to quote from another movie, who am I? Um, so I want to tell you a little bit about what I learned. Are we good? Are we ready to go? Okay, you guys, I'm now in between you and coffee, but let's give a little bit of a, yes, we're good, right? Everyone's good. All right, so here's what I learned. I learned that if you exist for your team, you're going to structure your development process very differently. And your products could end up being more successful that way. So I want to tell you a little bit about our, our uh, development process. We, uh, we're, I should have said earlier, we're a remote team. So we're, uh, like I think, 28 people now. We have a head office in Philadelphia, but only about half the team is there. Everyone has private offices in this, in this uh, office. The rest of us are all over. I live in Portland, Oregon. We have people in Canada, in the UK, in Russia, in Ukraine, everywhere. And when we do calls, it, everyone takes the call from their office. So we avoid that thing of there's people in a room and there, one of us is on a call and doesn't feel really included. So uh, we do get together once a year as a team and discuss things. And, and at the beginning of this year, we started asking ourselves this kind of question. How, how would we, we trust each other? How would we design a development process if it's completely built on trust? And there's three things I want to talk about. Planning, execution, and culture. Those are the three things that we, that we addressed um, through, through asking this question. So on the planning side, 
we asked what would a development process look like if we trust each other completely. And we came up with something kind of weird. We work in six-week cycles. So in, 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 in a six-week time period, we have small autonomous teams that are responsible for developing and, and deploying something. That could be the start of a feature, it could be an improvement, it could be bug fixes, it could be back-end changes, whatever it might be. And then we take two weeks to just chill. We take two weeks to do whatever you want. You can do side projects. There's probably a bunch of follow-ups that, that, that are coming from the last release as we get uh, inf um, feedback from customers. And we also use that two weeks to do planning for the next six weeks. Now, I know this is really uh, luxurious, <laughs> and uh, I, I understand that. We've been uh, through three of these cycles, and it's been working really well. We find that we actually ship faster. I should mention that we also currently are running an experiment of doing four-day weeks. So uh, we, we work Monday through Thursday. And still, even with that six weeks, we feel like we're moving faster because of the way that we structure the work that we do. So what we do is we prioritize the focus areas every two months with the whole team. Does that sound like a nightmare to any other product managers out there, <laughs> uh, especially for a remote product manager? But here's how we do it. We have a base camp area called the Idea Zone uh, where everyone can submit their ideas throughout the cycle whenever they think about it. They have to answer three questions. What is it that we're doing? Why should we do it? And why should we do it now? It can be short, as in this case. And then people started, start discussing that and commenting on it and applauding, as Basecamp calls it. Um, and then during those two weeks that we do planning, uh, we, ha we kind of uh, made Basecamp do this. I should say that there's probably better ways to do it, but the best tool is the one your team is already in. So there was no way we were going to try Trello or anything else uh, if Basecamp is already where we're in. Uh, does anyone use Basecamp? That is amazing. You guys should really check it out. That's, uh, so this is just uh, f uh, documents in Basecamp that's, po that's possible to you drag things around. And you'll see what I have here is I have uh, cards here, that's the divider cards. These are new ideas coming in. Uh, where's the other one? Somewhere was another one. But these are the, oh, there it is. The, what, every, everything in here is what we're planning for the next iteration. And we do this based on all the comments and the applause and the things that people have given. And then uh, we say, all right, this is our first plan for this iteration. And then we ask everyone, all right, if we're going to work on this, what do you want to work on? Which of these projects are most exciting to you? And then we use that feedback to break up into the smaller teams that actually work on these, on these products. And then we spend the six weeks delivering each of those things. We learn as we go. So if two weeks in we realize this is a 12-week project, we cut the scope until we can release something in that six weeks and continue in the next iteration while still having our break in between where we do other things. So I understand what you're saying right now. You're telling me that's insane. Uh, I hear you, uh, friend. <laughs> uh, this is definitely what you're thinking right now. What about long-term strategy? Very good question, uh, audience uh, person. Uh, you need a system that maintains focus but also responds well to change. So here's how we, how we maintain our uh, focus on long-term strategy as well. I showed you this earlier, but there's one part I, I uh, left out, and that is a part that within the six weeks, we also include experimentation. So if we know, we know what's going to happen with email. I can tell you later what's going to happen with email, and particularly transactional email. And there are things we want to try that's going to be big projects and strategic shifts for the company. 
But in keeping with all the MVP stuff I'm sure you're going to hear today, we don't want to spend a bunch of iterations on that and not know what's happening. So we make our MVP process part of a six weeks iteration. So if there's something that we want to try out, that we want to get with users, we give ourselves six weeks to build some kind of prototype or a way for us to test it with real users and get feedback on it to help us decide is this something that we actually want to spend time on. Because six weeks is not a huge investment if we launch something and realize it's actually not the right direction to go and we'll learn a lot from it. So that's the answer to what about long-term strategy. We make it part of that six weeks. We don't just look at what's most important right now. We also find ways to test the future. Um, so we try to integrate long-term ideas within these short-term cycles that we do. Experimentation becomes part of the six-week cycle. And we try to look at the edges of the product. And this is something that I'm really interested in uh, because... Um, that's the edges of your product is where things usually fall down. I'll give you an example, like a few, like last year when the, the second Apple Watch came out, uh, Strava, Strava didn't update their app uh, for running Strava, the running app. Um, so all I wanted to do was try to find a way to record my run on, on my watch and then export the data to Strava. Good luck with that. So uh, if anyone has tried to do that, there is now, there's a third-party app called RunGap. So what you can do is you can record your run with Nike and then import it into Nike and then use RunGap to export that run data from Nike to Strava and then you can open your Strava app and if you're really lucky, it'll be there. Why? Because we don't do well with how the edges of our product interact with each other. Uh, the best way would be for me to say, record with whatever you want because it's just GPS data and then have that be in Strava whenever I open Strava. But that's not how we think. And, I th and that's what I mean by the edges of the product. For Postmark, what other type of messaging are people interested in if it's not just email? What other types of email can we send? What other parts of the development process is email a part of that we can make better for them? Those are the kinds of areas where we look for ideas um, to, uh, to uh, uh, experiment with longer-term stuff. And then we make sure that this is a bigger focus on what might we do. We don't want ever be too scared to try something. And that's why we have a six-week cycle where we deliver something, but we also want to give ourselves in those two weeks an opportunity to dream about different things and just play with the product. What most people end up doing during that two weeks is either fix bugs that no one cares about except for them, a designer wants to do something that no one else <laughs> would ever give them time for, or people just play with the product. Uh, here's an example in our last cycle. We found randomly recently that uh, people, uh, some people, don't do this at home, put their private API keys in public GitHub repos. So um, then their accounts get hacked, lo and behold, and they send a bunch of spam email. So someone decided that's not good, so they built a tool to scrape public repos for our API keys. That's not something you'd really ever put into a cycle, but it's enormously useful, and we can reach out to those customers and say, you have a public API key, please don't do that. It's something that no one ever asked for, but it's solving a problem, and, and because we give ourselves the time to do that, people are able to say, what could we do to make this better? So there's some benefits of combining short-term and long-term planning. We're able to stay focused on what we're doing, because we know we have six weeks and that's it. We're able to stay flexible because we know if something doesn't work out in the next six weeks, it's not a huge investment that we lost. And we are able to plan short-term without being short-sighted 
and this is the most important part and the answer to your anonymous question earlier, uh, we are able to say we're going to uh, plan our deliverable, deliverables for the next six weeks, but at the same time, think about where we are going to go as a product in the future. So your next question is that you still think we're insane and we shouldn't do this. What about users? Ah, excellent question, uh, my random uh, audience person. Uh, most of the team talks to users all the time. Uh, we constantly share what we learn. And the biggest thing for me here is to say this. Talking to customers isn't something we do, it's something we are. And I've come to realize this. I mean, I grew up with Jared Spool as well. I'm with you on this whole thing on usability testing, and we still do it a lot. We still do usability testing. But I think that if, if talking to customers isn't just something you do, it's something you are, we need to become a little more comfortable with trusting ourselves in terms of knowing our customers. Um, and that's what, something that I've really learned. So I have an open link that I talk to customers every week. Anyone can set up a call with me to talk about email. Um, if you guys want to talk to me about email, you're welcome to go to that link. Or anything else, fine. You can talk to me about anything you want. Uh, our engineers are, are often involved in support cases and talk directly to customers. Our customer success team talks about to customers all the time. Our founders go to conferences and meet people who use our products and talk to them all the time. So when we go into these planning cycles, we don't feel like we have to do um, uh, primary research every single time before we think of an idea. Because we know where it's going and we feel confident that among our team, where everyone is so immersed in our customers, we know where they're at. We still validate those ideas, of course. That's why we have only six-week cycles, and that's why we still do usability testing on, on our prototypes. But we're trying to give ourselves a little more trust in ourselves as well, that if we're really immersed in our, who our customers are and what they need, we should trust that instinct a little bit more. As Natalie said in her talk, focus on your team first, then they can focus on your customer. And that's really at the core for us. We're able to focus on our customers because we trust each other so much. So the second part I want to talk about is uh, around execution. So we talked about planning and how that's a little bit different if, um, if, if the team is, is, feels like they're... What we get from that planning cycle is the team feels that they're involved in everything, they get to choose what they work on, and they get to do fun things. The, the biggest thing that we have to understand is that people aren't lazy, they're not looking for excuses not to work. And that's always been, I've worked in many enterprises as well, and it always seems like we go into these processes with the assumption that people don't want to work, engineers are lazy. Engineers are lazy in the right places. They're, they're lazy because they don't want to do things over and over, and they find ways to not do things over and over. But they're not looking for excuses not to work. So all we're doing is we're giving people an excuse or we're giving people the opportunity to work on the things that they want to work on that we also know will provide value for our customers and grow our business. And that's how people are just happier in what they do during that time. Um, so on the execution side, following on on that, each team is wholly responsible for their own project. Uh, I don't, uh, as hard as it is, I don't micromanage that. I don't, I don't get, um, I focus on other things. I focus on helping with the design and direction and things like that. But when you're a team of, of one or two developers and a designer and a QA person, um, you are responsible for shipping that product in six weeks, and you, you know it. And you also know that if it's not going to work out, we, we talk about how to cut scope and things like that. So this means the only way that's going to work out is through constant collaboration and communication. 
It's the only way that that's going to get done. You can't go and sit and do things by ourselves. So there's a few things that we do that, that work for us. First of all, as a, as a distributed team, we don't want to do like, in-person stand-ups every day because um, different time zones and it can become a waste for everyone. I think there's, there's a bunch of tools like this now, but there's uh, one we use in particular called GeekBot, which is a, a Slack bot that uh, for us, every morning at 9 a.m. in whatever time zone you're in, it asks you three questions. It asks you a little bit, a little bit different than the normal stand-up questions. We ask, did you work on what you wanted to yesterday? And if not, what happened? So that we can figure out always how to make processes better. And then we say, what are you going to work on today? And then we ask, is there anything that you're struggling with or that you need help on? And uh, it takes people less than three minutes to fill this out. It's a way for them to think about their day as well and plan it out. And that every single response gets posted into, a, into its own Slack channel. So when we come online, we can read what people are doing during the day. And uh, it's not, uh, we don't have to be together and all, all listen. You can read on that. If you're just doing the same thing as yesterday, you're welcome to skip it. It's not, it's not a hard process. But it's, uh, if you run any kind of a, a distributed team, uh, this is definitely something that, that worked for us and that you should look into. Then we do, we do have weekly team and dev sync meetings uh, where, where we have video calls. We use Zoom for that for the simple reason is that you can see everyone's faces. Uh, Google Hangouts and Skype and all these things kind of pick who you're seeing. Uh, as I, Zoom we chose specifically because if there's 15 people on, on a call, you can see everyone. And that's really important for us to be able to have that face-to-face -face time with people. Um, and then we have dedicated Slack channels and on-demand video calls uh, when, only when we need to. So we have a Slack channel for a project with a, with a small team in there so that it doesn't become overwhelming. The other great thing about Zoom is that it has a uh, Slack integration. So if, you, if, we, if we're discussing something in Slack for five minutes, we feel like, okay, we should probably talk about this. You just type slash Zoom and you have a call and you're talking about it. Reducing the barrier to talking to each other face-to-face -face is so important, for, especially for remote teams. Um, and so we've tried to really streamline that uh, as much as we can. I love this quote from Michael Lobb. Engineers don't hate process. They hate process that can't defend itself. And we're an API product. <laughs> we're run by, uh, by uh, developers. And um, this is, I found this to be so true. We use this guy over here, the, the, the product that must not be named, uh, that everyone loves to hate, which I don't hate. I don't understand. Look at their beautiful new logo. It's wonderful. Uh, uh, but we, we use this, but uh, this, we use it only because we use it in a way um, that strips out all the stuff we don't need, um, and in a way that, that we feel is a process that can defend itself, is a process that lets us, when something is completed, get back to customers and tell them that it's been completed. So I think the important here to understand is to not be afraid of process, but to make sure that the people who are involved in that process or have to do that process is involved in deciding what it's going to look like. And again, that's part of that trust. It's like, we trust you that you want to work. How can we make a process that's going to make your, you enjoy your work a lot more? Uh, let's talk about culture. Uh, so we, uh, if you go to our site, you'll find these 10, 10 things uh, on, our, on our page. Uh, we're product agnostic. We exist to support our team. As individuals, we are self-motivated, constantly improving our craft. We support each other to do the work of our lives. We expect great things from each other. You should expect the same from everyone else. We're driven by one metric, our customer success. 
So it's not, still not, the fact that we're focusing on team first doesn't mean that we're not focusing on customers. Be respectful, natural, and transparent. Most things are not urgent. Be patient, stay calm, go home. We do that. We say, we're, we're not solving world hunger. We send email, let's be honest. We send people's email. It's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, of course, when there's an outage, we all jump on and we're there, and I, I, I never sleep through an outage. But still, most of the time, it's just email. Uh, the best work happens in peace and quiet or when you are not around at the computer. Our CTO recently wrote a blog post uh, that, he, that he thinks it's really important for us to take 20-minute naps after lunch <laughs> um, because that makes him feel like he can work more in the afternoon. Who wants to come work at Wildbit? Anyone? <laughs> uh, be practical. The best decisions consider time, resources, and mutual acceptance. And as someone who doesn't like uh, uh, bad language, I won't read the last one, but I will say that this is our most important one. Um, and... Uh, we, at our retreat, talked about, should we really publish this to the world? What are people going to think about us? But we realized this is really at the core of what we try to do. Is you, we know what that means. You know how to be a good person. Just don't be an asshole. There, I said it. Don't be an asshole. Just be nice. Be good. Do work. Don't skip on, out on the work that you're supposed to do. You get to work four days a week. Don't waste that four days by doing something stupid. Just... Build the product for your customers. Talk to them. You know how to do this. We don't have to make it so complicated. And that's the biggest thing for us. We're honest with each other. When we have uh, a, a problem like we usually did, uh, not like we usually did, like we recently did. <laughs> we don't usually have an issue with the release. Like we recently did have an issue where we didn't plan well and uh, something took a, a way longer than it was supposed to. We're honest with each other about why that happens. We talk to our team, we improve, because we don't, we're not going to be assholes to each other. We're not going to pretend like it didn't happen, and we're not going to try to not make it better. We're gonna, we're gonna, and that's the most important thing for us as a culture. So coming back to this question, who am I? In the midst of uh, this uh, existential crisis, uh, I had a one-on-one -on -one with our CEO and, and, and asked her this question, Natalie, who, okay, who am I? <laughs> And she gave me an, uh, a, a good uh, exercise to do. She told me to make a mind map of uh, the tasks that I spend time on. And, uh, and then we talk about it, and we figure out who I am. And so you can't see the detail probably here. I'll zoom in a little bit. But I did this. I opened MindNode and started just somewhere. I just started here on the right and said, these are some of the things I do. I do jobs to be done interviews. I uh, do prioritization with the team. I make process improvements for the team. And then started building those out and seeing what does that mean? How does that get grouped together? And this went through a bunch of iterations. Um, uh, I'll zoom in on one piece of that just as an example. Like when I spend time on team happiness and efficiency. I spend time on customer input as well as outreach, all that kind of stuff. And um, we ended up deleting some things and adding some other things. And this has been one of the most valuable um, exercises I've done in a long time, is to do an actual mind map of what is my work. What is it that, what is it that you do here? Who am I? Um, and I think if this, uh, the product management role is so diverse in what it is that we do, I think if this is something that, that you want to be able to do, you should try this and talk to your manager about it and say, what are the things that I really should be focused on? And this help, really helped me clarify, okay, it's okay for me to spend 20% of my time just on making sure developers have everything they need and, and that we improve our process. 
That doesn't mean I'm skimping out on something else that I'm supposed to be doing because we're all agreed that that's important to me. And that made me relax and figure out I know what I'm supposed to be focused on. I'm supposed to be focused on our team, I'm supposed to be focused on our customers, and I'm supposed to be focused on our product. But first and foremost, I'm supposed to be focused on our team, and the other two will follow. And that, that was the moment of clarity for me that um, made me feel a little bit better about the whole thing uh, and, and uh, at the end of the who am I thing. So you know who I am now, and I really want to ask you who you are. Um, because I think this is really important for us. We are in a human business. It's humans all the way down. We're making stuff for the Internet, but even the forget password emails we send are, are humans talking to each other. So when it comes to how you do planning, when it comes to how you execute your product, when it comes to the kind of culture you have in your organization, who are you and who do you want to be? Because I think that we try to make it too complicated and if we start to ask ourselves, not to talk too much about feelings, but if we want to ask ourselves, how can I be happier at doing this? I think you'll end up making better products as well. And that's a thing I learned, is that if we're happier making products, our customers will be happier with the products that we make. And that's my story. Thanks so much.